electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Tech Check Plus. I'm Julia Borston. I'm so excited to be talking today to Guild co-founder and CEO, Rachel Romer Carlson. Thank you so much for talking to us today. Thanks for having me, Julia. So, Rachel, you're joining us now because you had big news just out today, a big fundraise. Walk us through the announcement. Yeah, we were thrilled today to announce our Series F uh, fundraise. We raised $175 million from some great investors like Wellington, obviously a big, large institutional uh, investor, really great work with pensions across the U.S., and also uh, excited to announce that Oprah joined uh, joined Team Guild as an investor as well. So it's an exciting day for us and, and also just an important one in terms of securing our financial future. Yeah, I mean, you've you've raised quite a bit of money now. Obviously, this is your biggest fundraise yet. Tell us a little bit about your valuation now and how much that's grown in recent years. Yeah, so the valuation grew moderately with this round. I'll note, you know, we weren't aiming to optimize for that. We were really optimizing for having the rainy day savings account that I think every long-term oriented company needs to have. But this this does put us at a, a 4.4 billion valuation and, and we're grateful to be continuing to grow and, and create value. Um, but we, we tend to think of our value first and foremost in terms of what our learners and our members and our partners tell us we're doing in terms of creating value for them and, and then think about valuation second. So let's take a step back and explain what is Guild, Guild Education. Um, some people have called it an ed tech company. You say it's more of an HR ed tech company. Um, explain to us who your customers are and how you work with these different groups. You are serving um, um, students, people who want to learn, who, and they are employees. And you're also working with their employers to help them. Explain the whole ecosystem. Yeah, it's probably easiest to start with our mission, which is to unlock economic opportunity for America's workforce through education. So it is right to think about a big part of our means as education. We help frontline Americans access education, skilling, and career services through their employer, paid for by their employer, so that frontline workers at companies like Chipotle and Walmart, as well as Macy's and Pepsi and Bon Secours Mercy Health and hospital systems can all have a chance at advancing their career with education as a really important piece of that. But education is is necessary. It's not wholly sufficient to move into the middle class and to thrive in the middle class. And so a big part of where Guild has been evolving and developing in the last few years is thinking about the career services. What are the occupational assessments? What are the tools and support services that every worker needs as they're developing the education, as they're acquiring the skills so that they can be really successful as they advance in their career? And that's why today we think about what we do at Guild as career opportunity with education as a piece of it. 
So ultimately, you are working with these big companies and you name some of the, you know, the Fortune 100 companies, you know, whether it's Walmart or, or Chipotle, Disney, um, and you're working with them to give them the ability to offer educational and other career development services to their workers. And one thing that I think is key is you really help them unlock some of the tax advantages of offering education services. Yeah. So, um, you know, much like a healthcare benefit, a 401k, employers are able to offer education to their employees as a non-taxable wage. So employees don't have to be taxed for receiving skills, for receiving education. Um, but the main challenge that was holding companies back from doing that is that the tuition reimbursement model where the worker pays for school and then waits for their company to reimburse them at the end of the year, that maybe works for the white collar, often white male professional. It doesn't work for the frontline worker. And at Guild, our core learner, she's uh, she. <laughs> she's often a woman of color. She's often a mom. And she works 40 hours a week. And she needs to go back to school and talk to her career coach on the evenings and on the weekends and after her kids go to bed. And so really designing a model and a payments flow where she doesn't have to pay up front to go back to school and wait for her company to reimburse her, but where she has fully debt-free education, career services, and all the support she needs to figure out how to advance her career is what we designed Guild for. It's so interesting. And I think it's so interesting looking at how your service fits into what's going on right now in the labor market. Explain um, how many workers are currently using Guild or have used Guild, um, and, and also what you see as the full potential addressable market. Yeah, so we're really proud that over the last year, over 5 million Americans gained access to Guild through their employers. Um, but that really is just the tip of the iceberg. What our data tells us today is that well over 100 million Americans, close to two thirds of our workforce, about 162 million are employed today in the US. So two thirds of that workforce, the 100 million, are in need of reskilling before they reach retirement age in order to thrive, let alone survive in the job market. And that's a really big challenge as we look at the future of work, the demographic labor shifts that the United States is experiencing and the impending automation and needs for the workforce that we really need to change so that workers have the skills that jobs are requiring in the future. So there's certainly this demand for upskilling, but there's also an incredibly tight labor market. How are you seeing your, your tools as a service for employers who want to be more competitive or sort of maybe make more of the employees they already have? This is where the sentiment of the American worker has changed more than anything in the last 10 years, Julia. It really is, is really shocking compared to what we saw in our research 10 years ago as we were starting Guild. Today, more than three out of four workers, when surveyed, will tell you, I feel unequipped with the skills I need to survive in the career I'm in five, 10 years from now. That is seismically different. 10 years ago, people knew the future of work was coming, but they didn't think it was coming for their job. Three-fourths of workers now think that. The challenge is only 28% of those workers feel like they know where to go to get the skills, either from their company or from their community, in order to have a chance at hanging in in this new disruptive job market. And that's why we see so much job switching right now. Everybody talks about pay as a reason for job switching, but in the front line, $15 an hour has increasingly become sort of a commodity wage. You can go to lots of jobs and make $15 an hour. Why workers are now changing jobs beyond that, 63% of the folks we work with have said, hey, I'm looking 
for opportunity and career advancement. And if my company has that, I'll stay. But 63% of folks surveyed are saying, I'm changing jobs to go get that career opportunity, not because of pay. There's so much talk right now about inflation, economic uncertainty. Do you see some of this pressure for people to create or to find that uh, that job advancement opportunity is being a response to the fact that people are saying, hey, um, you know, government stimulus checks are, are no longer a thing. And now I'm worried about gas prices being sky high. I need to figure out how to make more money. You know, we did see more of that probably in the last year. I think right now we're seeing a little bit of that, but the larger conversation is workers thinking beyond this next six months and thinking about three and five years from now. An example of that is there are three million cashiers in the United States right now. Almost every major company has a cashierless strategy that's transitioning that role to a tech-based role. We need to figure out how to reskill those 3 million cashiers and those 3 million folks now know they need to be reskilled. So you can talk about like truck drivers all day long, but there are all these much larger categories of workers whose jobs are being displaced pretty eminently. And those folks are saying, gosh, pay is important, but I got to figure out how to make sure I have a job three to five years from now. And that's where roles like healthcare and moving people into future of work roles as well as future of work careers become so important. Very interesting. Okay, so so shifting back to your business itself, um, you mentioned you've been doing this for, for a decade now, and obviously the marketplace has changed so much and um, the demands of companies have changed so much. Um, now that you have this new $175 million investment, how do you see the company itself changing? Tell us a little bit about your evolution from starting largely on facilitating uh, to have companies pay for their employees' education and what these other steps are from the career coaching, et cetera. Sure. Well, so I'd be remiss and I'd be betraying the roots of my mom if I didn't start by using her language to say, this is mostly a rainy day savings account. Most of this funding is going to ensure that Guild's 100-year mission, which we talk about a lot, is really secure despite whatever market uncertainties come in the next few years. This isn't spending money, as she would say. So we're not changing our budget, but we are using these funds to stay ambitious and stay on our plan. And as you know, many companies are having to radically alter their plans right now. And for us, that plan really includes continuing to expand with the long line of employer partners who are ready to to take the leap and offer Guild to their frontline workforce, which we're really excited about. We have seen such a transformation in the momentum and the realization of companies that education is now table stakes and career opportunity is the job differentiator. One CHRO said it to me as uh, career opportunity is the new $15 an hour wage. And I, I loved that. The second thing is we're a tech company at our core. We're a payments platform and a data platform, and we're going to continue to develop that. So it has extensibility for all of the products and services that the frontline worker needs to be successful as they move into the middle class and as they develop their career. Um, and then also just continuing to be focused on delivering on the mission and executing. We're a, we're a big company now. We got to stay focused on executing on the work we've signed up for and really delivering for the 5 million members that we have the opportunity to serve. And just to get a little bit more granular, if, if, you know, if the core business is about helping employees find education, helping them with career coaching, what is the next step? What are the other things that you could possibly be offering them? Is it really saying, here's, you know, let's do one-on-one -on -one sessions to help you figure out what types of classes, but, but what are things that you're thinking about as the next frontier? 
Yeah. So for every learner we have in the classroom uh, at Guild, there are another 10 members spending time on our platform looking at where's my career headed? This is an important one. A lot of the folks we work with actually have more skills than they understand, but because they haven't had a deep occupational identity, as we call it, they don't understand that the skills they've been using as a cashier translate into allied healthcare. All they're missing are the technical health skills, or maybe they already have all the customer service skills and the technology skills to move into a customer success role and out of that cashier role. Mm -hmm. So helping people understand what are their skills and occupational identity, whether or not they need learning today. And for folks who are, you know, in the learning programs and advancing, helping them understand what do I do when I move into that first salary job? How do I think about the scheduling shift that I'm going to incur? How do I think about childcare? How do I think about my uh, banking? For a lot of the folks we serve, they're unbanked, and now they're going to move from having scarce resources to having, you know, the choice to really have a savings account. So all these important decisions that I think orbit around how do you support the emerging middle class to thrive when they get there? Tell me why it's important to have Oprah in this round. Obviously, it's very exciting. One of the most um, famous and successful women in the country. But what do you think it means for Guild in particular? Well, I'll start for me. Um, You know, growing up, I didn't have a lot of what I would call uh, examples of female leadership. And I think often women in the 90s and 2000s were asked to mimic a male form of leadership. But I think Oprah and a few other women charted this really unique path of empathetic leadership. And I always say, and I've said for many years, I feel like I learned my version of feminine leadership and empathetic uh, interaction from Oprah watching the show. So I talk about her at the company all the time. And as a female-led company and one where the majority of our managers are also women, um, that model of female leadership and empathy-based leadership has been really deep in our roots and really important over the last couple of years through COVID and all the uncertainties of the market. So to me uh, and to the company, it, it really means a lot to us. Yeah, she's very, very impressive. And she cares a lot about education. Do you think she'll help you spread the word? I sure hope so. Yeah, I was really appreciative of her comments um, about the work we're doing and how she sees it in line with her other educational commitments. Well, Rachel, it's fascinating to hear about your business, your insights into the labor market, and also what it's like to be running a a, a private startup valued at $4.5 billion at the time when there was so much turmoil in the public markets. Rachel Romer Carlson, thank you so much for talking to us today on Tech Tech Plus. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.